Good morning. This is Angela Schaefers, host of Your Story Matters radio show. This morning, I am interviewing Mel Majoros, and she is not only a breast cancer survivor, but she is also the host and producer of Cancer Warrior, a radio show she provides weekly, and she also is co-host and producer of the Big McCarty Show. I wanted to um, talk with Mel today to have her share her story and to hopefully provide um, all of you out there that are going through cancer or have survived cancer with some of the things that you can do to get through your situation and to remember that there's always hope and there's always something in the future beyond cancer. So Mel, welcome to the show today. I'm very um, happy that you were able to join us. Well, thank you, Angela. Thank you for having me. And I know quite a bit about your story, but nobody else does at this point. So why don't (laughs) you start with when you found out you were um, diagnosed with breast cancer, what was the situation you were in at the time and kind of lead us up to present day as far as what you're doing with your blog and your radio show? Okay, great. Well, I was diagnosed in September of 07. Uh, It's kind of ironic, really because uh, through the radio station where I do the Vic McCarty show, uh, we do a lot of charity events. And I never really did a charity event through the station, but I wanted to get more involved. So I just picked one out of the hat, you know, just whatever, basically threw Dart on the dartboard and it was the Relay for Life. And that was the summer of 07. And I was there for, you know, a good majority of the day. I saw the Survivor Walk. I saw, you know, uh, I don't think I was there for the Luminaria. And but, the Relay for Life is for all cancers, is that correct? Correct. Okay. Uh, any any survivors or anyone, basically anyone who's been touched by cancer. Okay. So sep- late August, early September of 07, I'd found a lot. Now, I had uh, just gotten my insurance, just gotten a new doctor. Uh, I was 37 at the time, and I'd gone to the doctor, and they're like, oh, well, you know, we should get a biopsy. So I went, to, long story short, I went to get a biopsy, and the doctor said, well, you probably don't have to worry that it's cancer because you're young. Mm-hmm. Uh, great. And uh, through all this, I'm also a big hockey fan, mm-hmm. and that's in the play as well. So we have, uh, through the radio station, I get to go to the Red Wings training camp. Red Wings are the Detroit Red Wings uh, major league hockey team. Awesome. So, yeah. Yeah, so the last day of training camp, um, I had called the doctor and I said, I want to find out about my uh, my results. And the nurse said, oh, we don't have them yet. Okay. And not two minutes later, the doctor called and said, how soon can you get here? Wow. So as you know, when the doctor calls you, it's never a good news. It's never like, hey, come on over. We got extra brownies. I know you <laughs> right. Like how about some coffee? You know, it's, mm-hmm. have some coffee, you know, whatever. We're selling some raffle tickets. No, it's it's always never good news when you hear the doctor. So, I mean, I immediately knew it was cancer mm-hmm. because like I said, there's, there's never good news. So I remember getting the news and being at my doctor's office. I don't remember the drive there. Mm-hmm. And my, luckily my doctor lives, my doctor works like a stone's throw from my house. So mm-hmm. I was just like, oh my God, just tell me the news. And she told me it's cancer. Then everything after that just sounded like those peanuts voices, like mm-hmm. wah, 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 wah. Right. So I went home and I told my uh, then boyfriend, now fiance, and you know, we were both kind of freaked out about it. And I had to get more biopsies that day. And long story short, I did have uh, stage one, grade three, invasive ductal carcinoma, which is breast cancer. Mm-hmm. Stage one is good because there's only four stages, as you know. Grade mm-hmm. three, it was very aggressive. Mm-hmm. So I had to have, uh, uh, they said you could either have a lumpectomy or a mastectomy. I opted for the lumpectomy because it was in a spot where I could uh, save my breast. And my doctor was actually very surprised how quick I went from September 18th was when I was diagnosed October 9th, which was two days after my uh, 38th birthday, was mm-hmm. when I had surgery. Mm-hmm. So happy birthday to me! Have mm-hmm. some. This is, and this is the first time I've ever had surgery. First time anything like that has ever happened to me. Wow. Which is kind of crazy. So, so I get the, uh, you know, we get the news, 
and we're, you know, obviously we're freaked out. So I have the lumpectomy. I've had to have uh, four rounds of adermyosin cytoxin, which makes little stuff that makes your hair fall out, usually makes everyone sick. I was pretty lucky I didn't get nauseous, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. except the first time, the first night, which I didn't really take my medication correctly, and it, it was like a three-hour, like, bed spins. That's what I kind of felt. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> which was horrible because I was in the bathroom just feeling awful and, uh, we have a cat, and he was scratching on the door. And anyone who knows if they've drunk, if they've drank a lot or had the bed spins, it kind of feels like the cat is scratching on your face. You mm, know, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was just mm-hmm. like, please, Doug, please let it, you know. Mm-hmm. But so anyway, so I had uh, four rounds of adramiotoxin, twelve rounds of Taxol, which mm. is another chemo uh, concurrent with Herceptin, which is a targeted gene therapy, which attacks the actual. Uh, cancer gene and then 16 rounds of radiation mm-hmm. um, and I think I, I've had a pretty positive mental attitude through all that I mm-hmm. mean I can't say that every day was you know as I say puppy sunshine mm-hmm. but I, I, I don't know why people would want to go through life even if they didn't have a cancer diagnosis in a bad mood mm-hmm. you, know, you only get one that's one true. turn on the globe so you might as well make the best of it you know? right and right as, as as you know absolutely I mean I've even had people you know who would come into work they're like I can't believe you're so positive all the time it's mm-hmm, like you know mm-hmm. hair was falling out and I was so tired but it's like well I'm here I'm still around I'm still kicking so why wouldn't I be happy right right I totally relate to that but yeah. I also want to ask you I mean were there any times during that especially in the beginning when you thought about death what does that look like for you and you know do you need to make any plans that type of thing or was that just not even an option for you to consider? I, you know what? I don't even remember considering that because everyone had told me that we had caught it early and early enough, right enough to worry about that. I mean, I'm sure my fiance had thought about that, but I was more in like, okay, let's get this done. Let's get right. this over with. I want to get back on the ice and skate. Mm-hmm. That's like the first thing that I thought of. They're like, mm-hmm. well, you're going to have a port installed, uh, which is a uh, port where they do the infusion so it doesn't go through your veins. Right. Because chemotherapy, if people don't know, can really chew up your veins. And, mm-hmm. just, and the first thing I thought of was like, I won't be able to play hockey for two years. What are you talking about? Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't think of like, I'm going to get nauseous. I won't be able to do, you know, I mean, the thing that bothered me was I wouldn't be able to do the things mm-hmm. that I like to do. Right. And that, right. that really upset me. And, and I think that's one of the hardest things that I think survivors go through is once you're done with treatment, everyone mm-hmm. expects you to go back to normal mm-hmm. and your, your normal isn't the normal that it was before. Right. Absolutely. And I think uh, survivorship for me has been the hardest. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one of the things that's helped me through survivorship is I started logging, mm-hmm. um, I think, relatively early in my treatment just mm-hmm. because uh, my employer wanted me to start doing it. And I thought, well, it'll be cathartic for me because I'll just write down the stuff that's that's happening to me. So I right. started blogging. I started blogging on uh, a work site here at the radio station, and then some friends of mine said, "You know, you should really start your own if you want to start having people follow you." So I just started writing, you know, about everything that was going on. Mm-hmm. You know, the side effects. I, I had mostly fatigue. Any kind of feeling of tired that you can imagine, I had it. Mm-hmm. Like anything that could make me tired. If I didn't know that there were different kinds of tired. Mm-hmm. Different types of fatigue. Every chemo would give me a different type of fatigue. Mm-hmm. So I started blogging about my side effects, and I think like two months after I started my blog, The Cancer Warrior, I got an email from someone saying, uh, your email, we deemed it to be one of the top 30 most inspirational cancer survivor blogs. It was mritechnicianschool.org, and I was like, Mm -hmm. wow. Wow, that's great. Here I think I'm just typing this because, you know, and no one's reading it, but it's making me feel better to just get my emotions out on, you know. Right, 
hence the idea of your story matters because right. that is really what it's all about is that I think many of us, whether it's being a cancer survivor or having endured abuse or addiction, um, the things that we go through the day to day often, like you're talking about just that tiredness and the like being upset that we can't do what we usually do. That right. is what gets to other people because those are their frustrations. Those are the things that we all feel like nobody else could imagine what we're going through or understand or, or they can't possibly be dealing with this. And so I think that's the power in sharing our stories is that we can reach out to so many people and say, look, I know that feeling. You know what I mean? I can't change it for you, but at least I can let you know that I know it, that I have compassion and empathy for you and that we can get through it. Exactly. And I thought I was the only one feeling like I would get so depressed and I would just, the feeling that I would get was I'd want to like climb into myself and hide and mm -hmm. my fiance wanted to know what was going on and I was thinking well he won't know what the hell is going on because he's not you know I mean he's right. a caregiver yes but he hasn't gone through what I've gone through mm -hmm. and then I felt bad for not talking to him and then you know after a while after I've talked to people on Facebook and, and other survivors it's like oh well I'm not alone right you know you always you kind of always feel like you're the only one who feels that way mm -hmm. when you're in that situation, but you're not. Right. That's very true. You know? mm -hmm. And then, you know, when I was going through treatment, I didn't know about Facebook, which is, I know will surprise a lot of people who know me because I'm a huge Facebook junkie. Mm -hmm. So I think my, uh, I, I think that my uh, cancer survivorship would have gone a lot differently had I known about Facebook. Mm -hmm. Right. So, you mean to connect with other people at the time and find out other things that were going on out there? Exactly. Yeah. Because I didn't have that instantaneous hey, I feel, you know, these are the side effects that I'm having mm -hmm. when I do. Mm -hmm. I would put it on a chat format, which is, you know, it's still good, but it's not that instantaneous where you can Twitter and then, like, you know, five people will say, oh, yeah, this happened to me, take this, this. Right, this. right, totally yeah. makes sense. So what did you do other than the blogging during those times that you were really down or depressed? Were there any specific uh, techniques or tips that you have for the listeners about things that you did to deal with your situation? Well, I always tell people on, on my podcast, we'll get to that in a second, to find something that makes you happy. For me, I like watching movies. I uh, We got center ice uh, for hockey on the TV, so I was able to watch the Red Wings and the Kings and all the hockey teams. Just, just find something that makes you happy. You may not be able to do the same things. I mean, obviously, I couldn't go out and gate because, my, one, my uh, energy level was zapped, and I, mm -hmm. you know, I didn't, I couldn't be out with people, obviously, because of my low white count. But if I could find, like, a movie to watch, or friends would come over, or maybe, you know, go out to dinner or something, something that keeps your mind off of it, because I think if you're able to work, that's great. Mm -hmm. But once once you're not around, like, all your friends and you're just sitting at home, it's just like, you know, that's when it usually hits you when you're by yourself. Mm -hmm. You're just like, man, I have cancer. This really sucks. Right. You know, what am I going to do? And that's that's when it would always hit me when I was by myself. You, mm -hmm. Like I said, you have to find find your bliss. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, whether, I mean, I can't tell you what your bliss is, but, you know, maybe it's learning how to knit. I have a friend who's who's a cancer survivor, and she's learning how to knit, and she loves it. Mm -hmm. And it keeps her mind off of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that totally you know? makes sense, definitely. And at the same time, I think through the blogging, I know when I journal, um, I call it more that than my blogging is more um, professionally based, but the yeah. journaling I've done helps me just get out those emotions and feelings. And, and as a counselor, I always tell people, you know, you can journal anything you want. And, you right. know, 
assuming that nobody's going to find these things or even, you know, a hundred years from now, find them locked up in a little, you know, treasure chest. You can say whatever you want, the whole truth, nothing but the truth about your anger, your hurt or whoever, or whatever it is. And, and I don't know, did anything like that help you to really just be honest with whatever you were writing or whoever you were able to talk to and just say, this is truly how I feel or what I'm going through? Oh, yeah. I mean, I've had blogs. I've also blogged on uh, the Stupid Cancer blog, which I have to give them credit for kind of, I don't want to say launching my blogging career, but uh, Stupid Cancer and I'm Too Young for This, which is the same foundation, really helped me out. I mean, just blogging about what you're feeling, even if you don't publish it. You know, you could just, as you know, you could write a blog and then just delete it. Just Mm -hmm. getting that out, just getting that raw emotion out. I mean, I've blogged about stuff and there, and I've had people email me. They're like, you know what? That's exactly how I felt. Mm-hmm. But I didn't realize that other people felt that way. Right. You know, and I've, and I've read things too, where, where I just think, well, I'm the only person who feels this way. Mm-hmm. And then you read somebody else and it doesn't have to be breast cancer. It can be any cancer. Right. That makes sense. You know, who, who feels the exact same way that I do because there's no, I think a lot of cancer survivors get frustrated because I could have the same cancer that you have, but mm-hmm. we'll have totally different side effects mm-hmm. or will respond completely different to the medications. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the, I guess, crapshoot of cancer. Mm-hmm. Well, know, not only that, I mean, that is truly significant, the, the diagnosis, mm-hmm. the treatment, how you feel individually. But the other thing that I'm finding in talking with other cancer survivors and having been in the realm, so to speak, at the cancer center and all those things is that everyone has a different life situation going on. You know, some yeah. of us have young kids or single parents. Um, some of us are in financial ruin. Others are totally successful and all of a sudden have to put their whole life on hold. So oh, it's yeah. amazing to me, which is why I think it's so important what you're doing as far as blogging and the radio show to get out all the stories, not just the ones that might touch our hearts and make us think twice about how we live and, you know, that any day could be our last day and those types of things. But just everything, how life works, that we all have different things going on in our lives. And cancer can certainly affect that in a huge way, you know, and we might not understand it because we're not in that same situation. But I think we need to learn and understand how to be there or at least have some empathy for other people. Exactly. And I think it took me a long time to realize this. When you're diagnosed with cancer, some people will just kind of disappear. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, and they're you're really good friends, and you're just like, well, you know, Susie isn't here anymore. Mm-hmm. I thought she was my really good friend, and then other people you don't expect will step step up to the plate. And I think it was just a couple of weeks ago that I realized, well, I don't know what their relationship with cancer is. Maybe right. me having cancer reminds reminds them of someone who passed, mm-hmm. or it just you know, if it's scary for me, it might be twice as scary for someone watching me go That's through right. it. That's right. So I don't, I know a lot of people get upset that their friends kind of just drift off, Mm -hmm. but you know, one, people never know what to say to you. And I say, well, don't, you don't have to talk about cancer. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, I I would always think when I would come into work, someone would not want to talk to me because they'd be like, oh my God, here comes cancer girl. She's going to talk about her disease and I'm just going to freak out. Right. right. But you know, that's the last thing that we want to, we want to talk about, especially when we're going through treatment. Yeah. You know, I don't want you to ask me how I'm doing today. Talk about the weather, talk about you know, pretend like I don't have it. Mm-hmm. Just talk to me. You know, I'm Mel. I'm mm-hmm. not, I'm not cancer. Right. It's just something that I have. I think that's know, a if- really good point to bring up because I know in talking to other survivors and me having dealt with cancer myself right. is that again, we all have a different way of how we need to deal with it to get through it 
in our best way. And that's not necessarily the same as how you would deal with it or somebody else. And so I think it's important for overall people to educate themselves about what cancer is and isn't and what the potential things are that people could be thinking or feeling. And then if it's your friend or family, learn how to deal with them best effectively that, you know, is conducive to who they are and their personality and their needs and that's the best way I think to be there for someone because like you said some of us need that phone call you know every other day to see how we are and others simply just need to know that you know hey I'm just wondering if you want to go out for a cup of coffee or you know whatever so it's a lot of communication and some of my friends didn't want to call me and say, you know, and I was like, oh, please, I want to hear that your car broke down or, right. you know, your kid colored on the wall or something because I don't want to, you know, I'm not going to go, well, I have cancer, so your car broke down. I don't want to hear about that. I mean, I wanted to hear about other people's day exactly. because I already knew what the hell I was going through and I didn't want to think about it anymore. Yeah. You know, like I said, when you're home by yourself, well, not by yourself, but when you're home after you're not working and you're mm-hmm. not around socially, then you're just kind of like, wow. It just kind of sinks in a little more. Right. And I think that's another good point to bring up is that cancer is very isolating. Um, I know that myself, when I went to Moffitt Cancer Center, I just felt I was there at the cancer center with all kinds of people who had cancer, but I felt so alone because everybody had their own story and their own situation going on. And I think people just don't realize that isolation because as you just said, you know, a few minutes ago, every cancer is different. Every person is different. And I'm wondering for you, is there tips or something you would share, especially now that you've talked with and interviewed so many other people about dealing with some of that isolation? Because again, we can't find someone who's exactly where we're at. Right. Well, I would say that, you know, no matter how you feel, you're never alone and someone else has gone through it. And there's a whole cancer community on Facebook and Mm -hmm. on Twitter Mm -hmm. that, I mean, all you have to do is reach out. Mm -hmm. And there's not one survivor that I know on Facebook that would go, well, I don't want to talk to you. Right. You know, Mm -hmm. if, if we don't know someone who can help you. I mean, if we if we can't help you, then we'll find somebody, mm-hmm. you know, and, and talk to your hospital or your doctor. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I battled with depression for a year before I asked my doctor for uh, prescription medication. Mm-hmm. And it was hard. It was hard for me to say, you know what, I need help because mm-hmm. I can't go on every day feeling bad and feeling upset. And, you know, it was affecting my work. Mm-hmm. And on the outside, I would look happy. And on the inside, I'd be like, oh, my God, I'm freaking out and I have cancer and I can't deal with this. And you know, everything's making me mad. Right. Just the little things, I would either get mad or want to cry at the drop of a hat. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, and, and no, that's not normal. And, you know, the hardest, I think the hardest thing to say is, I need help. Can you help me? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know? And, you know, I'll, I, I will do anything for a survivor that I can. I'm not a doctor. That's what I say in my cancer podcast. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if there's advice that I can give, I will give it to you. If mm-hmm. there's, uh, a person that you need me to contact for you, I will. Mm-hmm. But don't never feel that you're alone mm-hmm. because you're not. Absolutely. Un- unfortunately, someone has gone through it before you, and unfortunately, someone will probably go through it the same thing you're going through afterwards, and it mm-hmm. doesn't matter what kind of cancer it is. Mm-hmm. That's very true. And I want to bring up a point in what you said, because I think this is crucial also, is as women, when we're dealing with cancer, especially breast cancer or some of the other ones that are more personal to women specifically, um, how it affects that idea that, you know, we're supposed to get up and keep going to work and keep taking care of our kids and keep smiling and taking care of everyone else. And yet you put the extra burden, if you will, 
on top of it of this is our womanhood. Can you right. speak to that? Because I know I do not have breast cancer. Mine is a cynic cell saliva gland cancer. So I can't speak to that. But if you could say something about that, I often have people ask me about that and they really mourn that idea of part of their womanhood is lost, whether yeah. they go through a mastectomy or not. It's just that idea that you get disease in that part of us that is so essential as a woman. Well, I have a scar uh, where they took out the lump, you know, and, and I thought for the longest time, I remember looking at that scar and hating it and hating look, looking at myself and hating looking at myself, no hair, thinking no one is ever going to think that I'm attractive again, mm -hmm. you know, and I know a friend of mine is going through this. She had a double mastectomy and she has kids and, you know, I don't have kids. And she's like, you know, people are expecting me to go back to being normal, but mm -hmm. I'm not normal and they don't understand that. And I said, you have to take time out for you to mm -hmm. make sure that you're okay. Because you know what, if you, if you're not okay, then the people you take care of, your children, your husband, mm -hmm. you know, they need you just as much as you need them. And you need to make them understand, which is very hard for people who haven't gone through this, that mm -hmm. you know what, I'm done with treatment, but I'm not done with cancer. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes it takes years for side effects Mm -hmm. to go away. I, I actually had a side effect start the day after my chemo started. I'm mm -hmm. like, oh, this is great. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and that side effect lasted longer than my entire uh, cancer treatment. Wow. Mm -hmm. You know, so you have to, I mean, that's the hardest thing. I think survivorship needs to be one of the things that doctors focus on a little more than mm -hmm. just cancer treatment. Because once you're done with cancer treatment, I mean, I don't want to say all hospitals are like this, but you're like, okay, you're done. You know, then you're back to work and you don't look like you. You don't feel like you. Mm -hmm. And everyone's saying, hey, you look great. And my hair came in uh, totally white. Mm -hmm. Like I have dark, long, dark hair. Mm -hmm. And that, and everyone's like, you look great. I can't believe it. You look blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, well, who are you talking to? It can't be me because I don't feel like me. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm, I can't do the things that I used to do at this job because mm -hmm. you know, I'm not, I used to uh, serve food at a local golf and uh, ski area. So I couldn't do that. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, I don't know who you're talking to. You know, I was just like freaking out. I would, I, it's just very hard for mm -hmm. other people to get right, right. You know, that you're that you're not done. Mm -hmm. that, that makes sense. You know that yeah, your kids might still be upset that you can't do stuff with them, but you know what? Yeah, you have to make them understand. Mom is ill. Mom still needs help. Mom mm -hmm. still needs to get better. Mm -hmm. and, and and as a survivor, that's the hardest thing because okay, you just assume well, I'm done with treatment now. I can just go on and do the things I used to do, but it takes a while for the treatment to be done with you. Right. And I think in either case, I mean, however long you've finished your treatment or not had treatment and just had surgery, whatever it is, once you have cancer, you have cancer. I mean, it's just, right. it's so life-changing and the people out there who have cancer or have survived cancer know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. Oh yeah. You're just never the same. Physically, emotionally, exactly. spiritually, mentally, that's it. It's just like a whole new chapter. It's a whole new you. Yeah. I mean, and, and I think that's, that was hard, too, because I, I moved uh, from California to Michigan. So mm -hmm. all my California friends don't know me uh, post-cancer. So right. I think, well, when I go back there, am I going to be a lot different than I was? Right, right. You know, when I go to visit them. Mm -hmm. And for the longest time, I know that I battled with this. It's like, okay, well, this is the new normal. This is the new me. Well, I like the old me. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, where's that person? And it's it's kind of like a you know a butterfly, a moth turning into a, a butterfly, I mean, mm-hmm. a caterpillar turning into a butterfly. There's a chemo brain coming out right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's like okay, mm-hmm. well maybe I don't want to be that butterfly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe I wanted to stay the caterpillar, but you, there's nothing you can do about it. That's right. You just you just have to make the best of your life. Right. And I think that's why I wanted to point out. And I'll let you talk a little bit now about your show. The yes. talking about cancer on shows like this or your show, um, blogging about it, journaling, going to counseling, all these things are so essential because the fact of the matter is no matter what cancer it is or how we dealt with it or, you know, our current situation or the outcome, we all are going through a mourning period, a loss of that life that we had, a loss of sometimes the physical abilities or physical self, if you will. So I, I am with you. I encourage people to talk about it, to not try and hide it or to feel like they have to just okay we're done now everything's fine you know went through the treatment boom let's get back to work it's not like that and I just love um, the things that I've read that you've blogged and the responses back and I you know some of your show so tell the listeners about your show and what your intent is with that and some of you know if you have some really interesting things that you could share from that real quick before we wrap up. Sure. Well, um, I was asked to do the show. I was working for Empower Radio and it kind of got retooled. And the uh, the gentleman who started Empower said, do you want to host your own show? And I was only co-hosting the Vic McCarty show. And I kind of thought, Goop, you know, mm-hmm. what do I know about hosting a show? Cause, um, but we wanted to keep a positive spin on that because he said, I really love your positive positivity mm-hmm. because, I mean, I'm a positive person. I, I'll make humor out of anything. My One of my old bosses had a toupee, and I was walking around with that when I was going through treatment. But I think the most <laughs> important thing, yeah, luckily there was no picture proof of that. Is that on um, YouTube? I, <laughs> I was just kidding. <laughs> I, I should have. That would be a lot. That would get garner a lot of hits. But a lot of people, I noticed, like, if you watch TV about cancer patients, like, what I saw was like, oh everyone's woe is me mm-hmm. and everyone looks all sallow and sad and you know yes there are days like that but you know what most cancer survivors that I've met aren't like that right you know they want to give back they mm-hmm. want to help people absolutely you know and I tell people my job is to put the cancer uh, hospitals and oncologists out of business and fill up the golf courses mm. awesome you know mm-hmm. I mean I've met survivors who found out their stage four um, like, like you were saying saliva by going mm-hmm. to the dentist mm-hmm. and they talk about I mean you go to the dentist, you just think, hey, I'm going to get a cavity filled. Right. You find out you have stage four cancer. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, that's crazy. I mean, you wouldn't, most people would think, oh, well, that's, that's a bummer and he's going to be a downer. But no, you right. know, uh, Doug White is his name and he advocates for cancer. I've met people like uh, Matt Zachary of uh, Stupid Cancer who had a brain tumor when he, uh, 14 years ago, mm-hmm. they didn't think he would survive. And he started, uh, I'm too young for this, which uh, advocates for uh, young cancer survivors mm-hmm. because a lot of focus, I think, is put on uh, older people with cancer, right. and not a lot with younger people mm-hmm. because we have to educate the doctors also that you know what young people can get cancer. That's I've heard right. Of a lot of I've heard of a lot of survivors who say you know what the doctor said everything's fine and then I got sicker and now it's stage four. Right. And mm-hmm. these are and these are people in their twenties and thirties and we mm-hmm. have to say no you can't just assume. You know, you have to be, I think that's the most important thing that if you listen to my show and your show, you have to be your own advocate. That's right. If somebody says, if you know, if you don't feel right, mm-hmm. you, you know what's best for you. Absolutely. Find another doctor. Find mm-hmm. your doctor if you right. like them. 
Right. If you don't like if you don't like Walmart, don't go shopping at Walmart. Mm-hmm. Go to the other store. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what you do on your show is you interview other people who are cancer survivors, and they share their stories. Is that correct? That's correct. I I interview other cancer survivors. I also interview organizations that help uh, cancer survivors. Mm-hmm. Um, anyone who has a positive message. You know, whether they're surviving or they're like there's an organization called Comfy for Chemo, which will give uh, blankets to cancer patients because, you know, we get cold during Mm -hmm. chemo treatments. Mm -hmm. You know, anything that has a positive outlook that could help somebody. That's awesome. Um, And where can people go to find the um, Cancer Warrior Show and the Vic McCarty Show? Well, the Vic McCarty Show, we have our show podcast. It's WMKTBTalkStation.com. And for everything Cancer Warrior, you can go to my uh, website, thecancerwarrior.net, and that will take you to the blog and the podcast. Awesome. And that's that's the Cancer Warrior, one word. Okay, great. Mel, thank you so much for your time today and for sharing with our listeners some of your story and your inspiration and definitely your positive attitude. I love it (laughs) because that's what we're here for. It's to spread around that positivity, and I wish you the best in your endeavors and hope that as your journey continues, you're able to touch even more lives with um, your encouraging and inspiring words. Well, thank you very much.